This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of Christian Book Blurb. This is the podcast where we interview Christian authors about their books, their faith and their lives. Today I am joined by the author Lucy Rycroft, who's going to be telling us a little bit about an Advent book she has written. We are in November at the time of this podcast coming into the world for everyone to hear. And it's a great opportunity um, for us to start thinking about the Advent season that is coming up. So it's my pleasure to welcome Lucy onto the show today. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. And today we're going to be talking about your Advent book called Redeeming Advent, Pursuing Christ Through the Haze of Tinsel, Gift Wrap and, how do you say it, Leberkuchen? Did I say it right? Leberkuchen. Oh, almost. I haven't quite got it, but great. Um, So, Redeeming Advent. This is very interesting because I know that for me personally, Christmas, I've got three young kids um, and school kind of goes into overdrive and family life goes into overdrive and everything goes a bit nuts. So, through a haze of tinsel, gift wrap and um is about right <laughs> it's about right for yep. me so what what is your um advent redeeming advent all about redeeming advent is really an advent devotional for people who don't like advent devotionals or people who don't find they can get through an advent devotional that's me because yeah you're right everything just goes into overdrive doesn't it in December yes for us with young children particularly but I think for anybody you know if you're part of a church churches go into overdrive the shops go into overdrive life goes into overdrive work everything just kind of goes up a few notches in December and there's this dissonance as Christians between what we want to be doing in December what we feel like we should, maybe I should say, what we feel like we should be doing in December, which is focusing on the coming of Jesus and preparing our hearts, maybe similarly to how we might do during Lent, for example. And yet there's this dissonance between that and what December actually is for most of us, which is this haze of, you know, it might not be tinsel, gift wrap and Leibkuchen. It might be, um, you know, work parties and, um, you know, making sure your kids have got Christmas jumpers and working out which members of your family eat what because you need to, yeah, I don't know, find a vegan alternative for Christmas Day dinner or whatever it is. December is just this haze of busyness Mm. and organisation and planning. And... As Christians, it can be really hard, I think, to say, well, well, how am I going to focus on Christ in this time? This month is like 10 times busier than any other month in the year. And yet it's also the month where we're supposed to be celebrating the birth of Jesus. So how am I going to do that? So, yeah, in a nutshell, which that wasn't, that is what my book is about. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so it's a book for busy people. Um, it says on the on, on the blurb of your book, which is quite appropriate for Christian Book Blurb podcast, um, that, that this is a book for busy people. So how is the book structured to make it easier for busy people to read? Or is it just that it's, it's to do with the content of the book that's sort of dealing with issues of busyness and holidays? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of both, Matt. So um, I wrote the book originally on my blog, 
it started off as a series of blog posts. It was never going to be a book. And I wrote these blog posts and a few people read them and said, are these going to be a book? And so that's when I looked into putting them together in, in a book. And, and my blog at that time, well, even now really, was aimed at busy young parents. And so what the book does, which I hadn't seen an Advent devotional do before, um, is that it takes you kind of from your busy day in Advent. So each day's reading, it, it doesn't start with first century Palestine. It starts with 21st century Western civilization. You know, what are we likely to be doing on the 15th of December? <laughs> it kind of, t it starts with, it might be an anecdote. It might be a memory of my, one of my Christmases or like just something silly one of my children said or something funny that happened or a, a, a family tradition maybe. It will be something that people can relate to something kind of that that sums up oh yeah that's where I'm at gosh I've just had the busiest day just making my way around the shops it's been an absolute nightmare I've now come back I've got all these presents to wrap I don't know when I'm going to do that I'm going to sit down and read my devotional oh it's talking about censuses and the Romans and it doesn't or certainly for me I think when I was reading Advent devotionals I couldn't quite get my head into gear so I think my devotional what it does, which is just a little bit different, is it starts from the busy day that you may have had or something that you can relate to in December. And then it takes you from that point into scripture, into a short reflection, into some questions you can ponder if you wish, into a prayer you can use if that's helpful. And it reads like like a friend is holding your hand and guiding you through Advent is the best way to describe it. It's an easy read. It's not... Um, it's not it's deep I think in places but it's not theologically complicated it's not academic it's a book which is relatable and honest and I hope it will be helpful to people it has been in the past I'm told <laughs> mm, that sounds really good oh great um so sticking with the the, the idea of, of of this busy chaotic thing that has become advent slash christmas um how does the busyness of the christmas season today help us to engage with the christmas story better this is something i've really been pondering over the last few years because i think for quite a long period of my life i believed that it couldn't you know, I believe that unless I was able to put all the busyness aside and focus on Jesus, then my Christmas would somehow be less Christian. But realistically, and you know this yourself as a dad, you know, and I'm speaking as a parent, but I know it's true for people who aren't parents. But, you know, I've got four young kids and, um, you know, I know it's true for people who might be looking after elderly relatives or people who uh, have got very busy work schedules, people who work in church leadership. It's, it's, the, it's the same, but different, different context, but we all find December busy. And yet I think that when we look at the birth of Jesus, it was surrounded by busyness wasn't it Bethlehem was heaving you know Jesus was born in a, a stable full of who knows who knows how many animals were around you know mooing and and um barring and, and making all sorts of different noises who knew what clattering was going on in the inn just a few steps away who knew how late people were out drinking I don't know just I don't think it was a quiet peaceful time necessarily and I think our busyness can maybe sort of remind ourselves that actually Jesus hasn't come away so Jesus hasn't come down to earth to take away our busyness he's come down to earth 
in the midst of our business to dwell with us in our busyness and yes of course sometimes we're doing too much sometimes we have to say no to things of course that's really important as well but there are times when we can't there are times when we just have busyness put on us (laughs) and actually Jesus comes and he says no I am dwelling with you in the middle of that and that to me I think is what I've taken from the last few years Mm, that's that's really good actually to to see the busyness in scripture the busyness that jesus actually entered into and yeah kind i think of, you brought a peace yeah to that busyness you know I, i'm not saying that it's uh, godly or biblical to be busy i think jesus puts himself right in the middle of all our flaws all our hurrying about all our concern for things that don't matter you know look at how he dealt with martha Uh, Mm. later you know Martha running around and he comes and he dwells with her in her busyness and he doesn't say he doesn't say stop doing what you're doing he just says you know you're worried about lots of things He's, he's basically saying don't don't worry about all these things they're not the thing to be worried about. Mary's the one who's worrying about the right thing. So yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. And it's that whole idea as well, isn't it? Of almost, I think redeeming is the wrong word, but it's kind of being able to start to see God in the ordinary as well as in the extraordinary, to sort of see his hand and his presence in the sort of everyday stuff of life, um, in the gift wrap and the tinsel and the, and we can see um, God even in those places when things are a bit crazy and chaotic and you know, mm. the, the relatives are coming over or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. No, that's that's Yeah, I think so. Right. Mm. Yeah. Have you got any Advent or festive top tips for our audience? <laughs> Changing tack ever so slightly. Um mm. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any top tips think, for people who find Christmas um, busy or frantic? Right. Um, based on many years of <laughs> feeling busy and frantic over Christmas, to me, I think it's about organisation and actually being very, very strict with ourselves about what we do and we don't do in December. And I found last year, um, to my regret, that <laughs> this starts in September. I, last year I started being asked in September to do things in December and throughout September, October, November I just said yes to lots and lots of very small things which in themselves seem very innocuous, very harmless it wouldn't take up a huge amount of my time by the time I was heading towards the start of December I was looking at my diary thinking my flipping goodness, how am I going to cope with this and by God's grace I did but it did teach me an important lesson that actually you need to look at your December right from September when when the first person asks you to do something, whether it's for church, for the PTA, for, for whatever. I'm not saying don't be helpful. I'm not saying don't, you know, do anything for anyone else this Christmas, but just look and pray. You know, look at your diary, pray about what's right to get involved with this year and kind of be very, very strict. Guard that time because Christmas is busy anyway without all the additional stuff. So that would be my top tip. Just get organized, look at your diary and don't take on too much too far in advance. Really good. Thank you. Um, You've written other books um, as well as Redeeming Advent. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about them? What are they? What are they about? Yeah. So books plural is probably uh, slightly pushing it. But (laughs) I have one uh, children's book out and another in the same series just on the cusp of uh, being about to come out. So hopefully by the time your listeners are hearing 
this, they might yeah. be out. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I am working through a series of uh, children's books designed for under eight, so, so like preschoolers and early schoolers, about the women in the Bible. Because I was reading Sarah Bessie's book, Jesus Feminist, a few years ago. And it was just a passing comment in that book about how our bookshelves and our Christian bookshops have got a lot of children's books about Daniel and Noah and Moses and all the men of the Bible. But where are the women? And, you know, just as I, as you tend to do just on a whim, late one night I just started penning something <laughs> about Deborah, who was the only female judge. Uh, in the book of Judges, early on in the book of Judges. And this turned into a long rhyming book. Well, I say long, not long, a picture book, but a, a longer poem, I suppose. Uh, and it's a, a rhyming retelling of the story of Deborah and Jael, who worked together to uh, defeat the, uh, the the king and the his army who were oppressing the Israelites. So that's the first book I have, Deborah and Jael, rather than Deborah in Jael. Different, <laughs> different book altogether. Uh, Jael spelt J-A-E-L. And, uh, yeah, the next book out will be Abigail and Rahab will come shortly after that. And I'm working on Esther and uh, uh, Sarah and Hagar as well. So my plan, my dream is to bring out a whole series of children's books, maybe a dozen or so, on the women in the Bible. It sounds really, really good. <laughs> to find out more about where to get hold of a copy of Redeeming Advent or indeed any of these fabulous other children's books that um, Lucy has written and is currently writing. Um, we will be giving you more information about that at the end of the podcast today. So keep listening because that is coming up. Um, so books is one thing that you write, but I know you, and you have mentioned as well, um, this, this blog that you have. Now, I, I know a few people who actually follow it and really enjoy um your blog as well. What is your blog about and who is it for primarily? My blog is called The Hopefield Family. You can find it at thehopefieldfamily.com and it is for Christian parents. It is an encouraging, equipping, down-to-earth, normal <laughs> place. Um, none of the sheen you'll find on glamorous parenting blogs. It really is just about parenting our children, pointing them to Jesus in the messy, busy, chaotic Normal, so, I think. So, <laughs> so it's safe to say you're not one of these Instagram mums. No, not at all. I love Instagram, but yeah, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm not a glamour mum. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do um, write quite a bit about adoption as well. So I've got a whole section on my site about adoption. Two of our children are adopted, and uh, but but it is also just for any Christian parent really. And it started off ten years ago as a place to encourage uh, Christian parents actually to to pursue their own faith even in busy family life. But it's broadened out now to include the way we disciple our children as well as um, feeding our own faith as well. Mm, that's great. So tell us the name of the, the, the website address again. It's thehopefilledfamily.com. So if you are a parent or you know of uh, some parents um, who might enjoy checking out Lucy's um, blog, do point them in the direction of the Hope Filled Family. Dot com. We'll be back with Lucy in just a moment to carry on our conversation. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Matt McClary to make a donation. 
there is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. So I'm back with author Lucy Rycroft. We've been talking about her book, um, Redeeming Advent, as well as some of her other children books. Coming back to what we were talking about just before the break, Lucy, um, and you said you sort of jotted down a few ideas about a book that kind of then turned into a longer poem, etc. What is your writing process? Have you got sort of a certain way that you approach writing? Or is the way that you write children's books slightly different to the way that you approached your um, devotional book? How, how does it work for you? Well, I think that's a really great question, and I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I think the only thing I could say kind of as a blanket rule is I, I, I have to be really disciplined with it. Um, I have, as I've mentioned, quite, you know, slightly too many children possibly uh, for my capacity and uh, we have a busy life I'm married to a vicar and so I have to be very disciplined about when I write and so every book I've written so far I have actually written another book which I'm not allowed to uh, talk about yet because it's not coming out till the start of 2024 uh, but I've just finished the manuscript for that a couple of months ago and for that one it was a case of basically looking at my diary looking at when the deadline was and literally plotting in all these one hour blocks because I didn't think for that particular book I could write for more than an hour so I I put in enough one hour blocks to write to complete the whole book by the deadline basically that's how I did it and that actually really worked and for my children's books I tend to give a week so I find a week where I'm not doing other work and where I don't need to be focusing too much on the blog where nothing else is kind of crowding in and I protect that week and um, Monday, typically I'll do my research. Tuesday, I'll sort of finish that off and start writing. And by the end of the week, I won't have finished, but I'll have got a good chunk of it. I'll certainly be over halfway, maybe three quarters. And, and that will give me enough impetus to then return to it when I have time and finish it. So, and, and then Redeeming Advent, as I mentioned, started off as blog posts. So that started off in a totally different way. That was an editing process rather than a writing from scratch process. So I think the approach is very different. But for me, I have to be very disciplined and I have to be very organized about it. I have to mark it out in the diary because I get quite limited time um, when I, I can focus, when I have quiet and when I can focus on that. Mm. And with your children's books, because um, they're picture books, mm. um, I, I believe that a big part of the process isn't just writing the words, but it's also working with the illustrator. Do you illustrate your own books do you draw the pictures or does somebody else draw the pictures for you I don't illustrate my own books <laughs> and you and everybody else on this planet is very pleased that I don't <laughs> I don't think they would sell if I did no I'm very very grateful to work I work with a brilliant illustrator for Deborah and Jail and um, I have a new illustrator for Abigail and um, actually I've just been communicating with him recently and and yes you're right it's a very different process because I wrote the text for Abigail the book that he's working on at the moment um, I wrote the text back in I think it was like December 2020 so nearly two years ago I wrote that text and yes it's gone through a few edits but largely that text still stands and now nearly two years on I'm having to revisit the text I'm having to see it through his eyes I'm having to look at his sketches do I agree you know and all this kind of thing and it's it's hard actually because I'm not an artist so really I want him to just kind of go and do it like Hmm. what what good am I am I to the process is what I think but then when you look at it actually 
you look at it from an author's point of view and you think, okay, is that is that doing what the text is doing at that point? And so sometimes yeah. they're just little tweaks and actually there's been very little at all for this book, but sometimes they're just little things where you think, you know, I'm not sure that expression's quite right or, yeah, but mm. largely, yeah. He's, or he's do you have a bigger up. chunk of text on this page or do I need to turn the page to continue the story with a, with a separate picture about that yeah. bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And does stanzas and so, get squished together or is there a gap? You know, where, where's the narrative going in this? So, yeah, we work so, together. Oh, so that's interesting. So he sort of like sends you a sketch rather than a completed picture so we can make alterations as as you go yeah. along if he needs to. Okay. Yeah, I think illustrators work differently. Uh, this particular one um, likes to do a very kind of... Uh, sketchy sketch for each page <laughs> and then what he's just sent me is the the more detail so i sort of okayed that and now he sent me the more detailed sketches where he's gone into a lot more detail but they're still just in uh, black and white and then the next stage which he's working on now is adding the color which is for him a shorter process so yeah it's, it's fascinating absolutely fascinating mm. working with an illustrator and watching how they work mm. and so it's mostly through um email or do you have like a yeah. zoom chat or something every now and then to keep up to yeah the odd speed. zoom largely it's via email yeah as okay. we go on we had a zoom at the start just to establish what we were doing and um then he just goes for it and, and emails me when he needs to check so yeah oh good. that's fascinating i've never written a picture book before so that's ah you that's must interesting yeah oh really good so one of the things we like to do on um the podcast is to obviously speak to the authors about their books but also to find out a little bit about um your life and and your faith as sort of the person behind the pen as it were so um let's start off then what do you do for fun do you have any hobbies do you have time for hobbies i think my number one hobby at the moment is laundry probably <laughs> ah, does that count as a hobby <laughs> oh i really hope not <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I do an awful lot of that. No, I do. So I, I, I try and blog full time. That's my kind of what I consider to be my full time job when my kids are in school. Um, obviously, you know, after school, I have quite a lot to do with my children. If and when I get some free time, I love to read. I love playing board games, which is great because the family do too. We've sort of indoctrinated them into the way of various games. Uh, I love cooking. I love hosting. I love having friends and family round. I just, it's nothing thrills me more than you know, on Sunday it was my my daughter's birthday and we had our friends around and my mum was here and we just it was just so lovely to have a big family feast together that is just my idea of a perfect afternoon um yeah I like to walk my dog uh, I like to get out into nature when I can so yeah and good Netflix series as well of course. yeah we've just finished Stranger <laughs> Things so Stranger yeah, Things is, right. our family's all into Stranger Things at the moment but yeah that, that's good as well yeah great and um, you said that you're a wife of a vicar, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, how how did you come how did you come to meet each other? We met at university, at which point he wasn't a vicar, um, and we got married straight after university when he was about to go into teaching. But we both knew even at that point that he wasn't going to be in teaching that long. We didn't think he was going to be in it for a shorter time as he was <laughs> I think within a few weeks he came home and was saying no I think this is this is it for me I'm just going to do the year and then then uh, move on uh, but yeah we both sensed that he was going to end up in church leadership and actually my dad was a vicar growing up and I just kind of I wasn't looking to marry a vicar but I also kind of just had that sense that that's where it might end up and you know I'm okay with that 
I understand this life. I've lived it most of my life. I think I worked out the other day. I've spent three quarters of my life living in, you know, diocese owned houses. Uh, that's just kind of, that's just, just the, where God's put me. And that's, that's great. So I'm very mm. blessed really. Um, for a lot of spouses, it's difficult. I think when their their other spouse is called to ordination or any kind of church leadership, I guess there's a, a yeah all sorts of questions and. Um, I was just about doubt. to ask um, yeah. how how that has helped to to strengthen or grow your faith, or or has it mm. done the opposite? Is it more difficult being a vicar's wife? I I think it's no different to what I know. Um, you know, I I've always been in a bit of a goldfish bowl <laughs> growing up as the vicar's daughter I lived my first 18 years um in, in a vicarage and and I, I honestly don't have any problem with that and I I've had to learn in adulthood that there can be problems with that because for me it was a really lovely upbringing there were a lot of advantages I think to, I saw my parents live out their faith very obviously we had a very open home I saw them show hospitality to strangers and it really really impacted my adult Christian life and that's what we try and do now so it's I've had to kind of learn okay sometimes it can be difficult I've had to learn that you know it might not be as easy a run for our own children I've had to learn about boundaries and the need to protect them sometimes from um, from influences that that might not be great or maybe influences that might be great but maybe an overexposure to those influences you know I need to make sure that they're not growing up kind of feeling straitjacketed into faith or the church um, but they're free to make their own decision as well so yeah in a way it strengthens my faith because Al obviously has to do a lot of reading and um, thinking about faith about about the bible for his job so it's always it, it I feel very blessed to have a husband who is so on it with his discipleship and actually if he were listening to this he would be saying no I'm not at all <laughs> because I think often he feels you know just like any busy dad when you know when does he get the time to read the bible as well but but he is really and and he he challenges me and you know it's iron sharpening iron I think in a good marriage and and I'm really really blessed I know that's it's not always easy um it, that doesn't always happen in marriage and and yeah I'm just very blessed, I think, to to have him there. And I hope I challenge him as well and sharpen him. <laughs> so that's really interesting. What about favourite things? Favourite things. Have you got a favourite, I don't know, food or a favourite type of chocolate or something like that? Yeah, all chocolate's good as far as I'm concerned. I'm a particular fan at the moment of Cadbury's Marvelous Creations Bar. I just Ooh. absolutely wolf those down. You must try I them. I haven't heard of those ones. Oh, get a Marvelous Creations Bar. Super nice. Super <laughs> lovely. Um, but yeah, any chocolate is good chocolate. I never bake a pudding unless it's got chocolate in. If you come around to my house, I'll always give you something chocolatey at some point. How about uh, chocolate cake? Because I know yeah. chocolate cake is kind of... It's kind of slipped out of fashion a bit, I found, chocolate cake. You can get chocolate brownies, but I don't often see yeah. a chocolate cake around these days. How, I have how are you views. with chocolate cake? I have views, Matt, on chocolate cake. Views with a capital V. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's chocolate cake, like chocolate cake, and there's brown cake. And I mm. think for too long, 
us Brits have been satisfied with brown cake and it's not chocolate cake. So when I make a chocolate cake, it is rich and it is decadent, it's moist, it's got loads of real chocolate in there, it's got lovely chocolate icing. I just, I'm not going to go in, you know, if I'm going to go in, I'm going to go in the full way. I'm not going to do this by halves. So I don't make brown sponges. That's just not my cup of tea. Same with a hot chocolate. You don't make it with water. I'm sorry. I don't even care if the packet says make it with water. You always make it with milk. That's the rule <laughs> in the Rycroft household. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're all quite into chocolate. And uh, curry, curry would be my favourite meal, I think, if I couldn't just eat chocolate all the time. Mm. So there you go, curry and chocolate. Perfect Very day good. Me. Wonderful. Have you been to Cadbury World to yes. experience the, the madness that is Cadbury World? I spent my hen party at Cadbury World. <laughs> well, there you go. I think that says a lot, doesn't it, yep. about the, yep. the place chocolate has <laughs> in your life. That is fantastic. Really good. I also live in York, uh, a few paces away from the Nestle factory, which was traditionally Roundtree's, which um, was one of the big employers in York. And even now, York has a lot of um, kind of newer companies that make chocolate. So, yeah, I've moved to the right place. We're, we're a yeah. chocolate-loving city. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Lucy, for joining us um, on the show today. Just to finish off, I did promise our listeners that um, if they wanted to find out more about you or to read your blog or to buy any of your books, um, where can they go to find you on social media or on the Internet? Or what, where yeah. can they go? What, what addresses do you have or what Facebook names or whatever do you have? <laughs> The long reel. No, there's not too many. Um, I'm basically Hopefield Family, the Hopefield Family on Instagram. I'm the Hopefield Family on Facebook, and I largely post to Instagram. Um, I've just started on TikTok. I've got about four followers, so <laughs> I promise I will put some content on there eventually when I've worked out how to operate it. And I'm the Hopefield Family on TikTok. I'm Hopefield Lucy on Twitter. I don't really do much on Twitter, and and yeah, that was the only name I could get. So uh, other than that, the Hopefield Family everywhere, and the Hopefieldfamily.com is my website. But you can also find my books at Amazon, Eden, Waterstones, all the usual places. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Lucy. It's been fa fabulous talking to you today. And thank you very much to you for listening to this episode of the Christian Book Blurb. Don't forget um, to stock up your bookshelves in time for the Advent season. Um, that is coming up really soon. So um, if you are busy and you think that um, Lucy's book, Redeeming Advent, is the one for you. Do go and grab a copy um, sometime soon. Um, thank you for listening. And don't forget, the Christian Book Blurb comes out every two weeks or so. Twice a month. Yes, I'm just reminding myself. That's right. I haven't gone mad. It comes out twice a month. And we will be continuing well into 2023. So do keep checking out more and more episodes of the Christian Book Blurb. And we do hope to have the pleasure of your company again soon. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.